Hey everybody. This is House of Hope podcast series, presented by Gotham and House of Hope. Today we have with us preacher deacon Oleg Benga Adalola, with the topic Successful Christian Living Part 17. The Christian and the Holy Spirit, 1. Amen. The Lord is greatly exalted in the midst of his people. Lord, we wave our hands to you to exalt you this morning. Take all the praise and take all the glory. Hallelujah to your name alone. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, I come to you this morning. I ask, O oh Lord, that I may decrease um, and you will increase. Let nothing come of me. Let everything come of you. Let only the name of Jesus Christ this morning be glorified and let your people be blessed and let people be saved. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to House of Hope, a place where hope becomes manifestation, a well-cared-for garden, a place maintained and sustained only by the Holy Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We've been reading the book of Psalms, and you would see that it's a book of praise. You know, we read Psalm 33, verse 1, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O righteous, for praise for praise from the upright is beautiful. As believers, when we come into the presence of the Lord and we lift our voices to praise him, it is beautiful. Not because of what we're wearing, not because of how we look, but because of who is on the inside of us. So there should not be any circumstantial praise. There should always just be praise in the presence of our God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Um, I want you to say to someone next to you and tell the person, the Lord has ordered your steps here this morning. All right, say to somebody else, the Lord has ordered your steps here this morning. Okay, how do I know that? The book of Psalm 37, verse 23 says, the steps of a, the, good, the word good man is in, is in, in, is, uh, in italics, they're trying to describe it, but words of a good man are ordered of the Lord, or the righteous are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. We know this because that chapter compares the righteous to the wicked. So even though he uses man in the generics, he's always talking about the righteous. So if you're the righteous, the Lord has ordered your steps here today. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Second part, I want you to say to yourself this morning, I will hear what the Lord has to say to me today. Amen. We also see in the book of Psalms, the writer typically says, I will. It's not maybe. He's a an intentional decision. To quote a man of God, the angel of this house, tenderness of the heart to the word does not come to you automatically as a Christian. You have, you have to intentionally cultivate it by covenant acts. Amen. So it's the spirit of the Lord who's going to speak to you today, this morning. This is not Olubenga Tolola's message. It is the spirit of the Lord who is speaking to you this morning. When you go back and listen to the message, I say, I want to hear what God said to me during the service, not what I said to you. Amen. He is the one who gives understanding to the things that are in the word of God. The Holy Spirit is to help us to understand and obey. Obedience to the word is a sign of wisdom. As wisdom as we know it, it's the proper application of knowledge that we understand, not just what we hear on a Sunday. Amen. We have to live an intentional life. Um, the last uh, message in the series of the successful Christian life talked about how Jesus Christ was intentional in his prayer life. 
It's the same thing we have to be as believers. We have to be intentional and we have to be purpose-driven in everything that we do. Amen. So this morning, we're continuing our series, Successful Christian Living. So far, we focused on chapter one, which was focused on who was a Christian. Then we went to chapter two, and the focus was the Christian and personal devotion. Today, we'll begin our focus on chapter three, the Christian and the Holy Spirit. It's very interesting how things work. Uh, as believers, we know things work out for good. Nothing is coincidental. The Sunday school this morning was focused on what? On, on what? Regeneration by who? By the Holy Spirit. Amen. We just finished WOW, which was focused on what? Hello? Sevenfold Spirit. But who is, who is here who engenders that? It's the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I believe there's something that God is saying to each and every one of us this morning. So let us pay attention. Amen. Um, so today we're going to be touching on the Holy Spirit. I mean, throughout this series, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and the Christian's life. But today we're just going to lay the foundation and we're going to focus on who the Holy Spirit is, talking about him in the Old Testament, the works he did through men in the Old Testament, uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit as recorded in the Old Testament, and then the promise of the Holy Spirit by Jesus Christ himself. Amen. One thing I strongly believe that as we go through this series, not even as, not before we get to the end, as we go through this series, specifically when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, one outcome we're going to see is that our prayer lives are going to change. Amen. How we pray and what we pray about is going to change. We've already been seeing that for those of us who have been, you know, engaging in the Spirit of God. Why? Because prayer is not quantitative, it is qualitative. That was shared during our WOW session, if you remember. Amen. That's one thing I strongly believe. So, but before we go further, it's important for us to remind ourselves why we're we running through this series. We know that we are an intentional church. We're not just here arbitrarily. We could have been anywhere else. We didn't just, you know, open the Bible and say, okay, let's pick this topic. It was given to us for specific reasons. So our study on successful Christian living, for those who may be joining us for the very first time, uses the lecture book produced by our general overseer, Pastor uh, Dr. Abino, for that purpose. He instructed us during the last convention that, we should, that it should be studied on Sundays and it must not be rushed. Our goal in this teaching, therefore, and our mission in this church is to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So, as is often the case, we're going to be reading a lot of scriptures this morning, uh, so you will see it by yourself, and because it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, he will give you understanding. Can we say amen? amen? Amen. So let's look at, just to support what I just said, let's look at the book of Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Amen. So why successful Christian living? You know, what, what does that even, why, why are we bothering with that? Well, one good reason is because, as we know it, there's a life after this life that is really dependent on what we do in this life. 
Amen? And one day we're going to stand before our Savior and give account for how we spent this life according to his will and according to his commission. Um, getting saved is only the beginning, right? Every, count, every kingdom that you're a part of, if you go to any kingdom in the world, they have their mode of operation. They have their principles. They have the things that they believe in. They have the things that energizes them. So also is the kingdom of God. There are principles for us to live our lives as believers in this kingdom that we are a part of. And it is up to us to know these things, to understand these things, and to apply them in our daily lives in wisdom. Amen. The word of God also says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you look through the Bible, you cannot escape the person of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be going into that. He has always been there. And in the dispensation of grace, we have a very special relationship with him, which we'll be talking about later, um, that I want us to, you know, to dig into, right? So what, what I just quoted was from Romans 14, verses 16 to 18. You can read that up later. Um, but there's a very important statement here that I want us to, uh, to focus on. Um, and I'm reading uh, ver verbatim. It says, the importance of the Holy Spirit to successful Christian living cannot be overemphasized. The Holy Spirit empowers the believer to live victoriously daily. As a matter of fact, no one can live the Christian life without the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I think we should read that together. Let's go. One, two. The importance of the Holy Spirit to successful Christian living cannot be overemphasized. The Holy Spirit empowers the believer to live victoriously daily. As a matter of fact, no one can live the Christian life without the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what do these statements mean? They mean a lot of things. I'll just share one thing that I, that I get from, from this statement. Uh, because we don't want to just be people who just read things on people who understand them so that we can actually apply them to our lives. Um, to me, this means that if I, let me personalize this, if I'm living a defeated life where I'm constantly rising and falling, it's because I'm living without the help of the Holy Spirit. Actually, without the constant help of the Holy Spirit, because sometimes we can choose, okay, Holy Spirit, I want you to help me today, but today I'm good, I got this today. Maybe tomorrow I might need you, but today we're, we're good. And then you get to tomorrow, like, I'm still good. And something, I'm, okay, Holy Spirit, actually, I really need you now. So it has to be a constant thing. Amen? Um, if this is true, if this statement is true, it also begs the question, why don't we engage the Holy Spirit constantly? As we should. Or let me personalize it. Why don't I do that? Right? Perhaps we, you, me, we have decided to be the center of our lives. It's very possible. Um, if we ask ourselves what drives us, what motivates us, who is at the center of our lives outside of coming to church on Sunday? When we leave here, is Jesus Christ still the center of our lives? Does, does society take over? Does profession take over? Does business take over? Um, these are all good things. Don't get me wrong. Does family take over? Who becomes the center of our lives when we leave here on the Sunday? It's a question for each of us wants to ask ourselves. And in talking about spiritual wisdom, and this is something that I gained or I gleaned from our participation in the recent WOW. Um, spiritual wisdom is spiritual life application of the knowledge of God or life application that is driven by the Holy Spirit. 
right? Because if we're saying we can't live a successful life without the Holy Spirit, then that means wisdom is taking the knowledge of God that is driven, enabled, or empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So wisdom is not just what you know. It's applying what you know. Um, and we go on here. When the people on the day of Pentecost asked Peter what they should do as the initial steps to be saved, Peter did not hesitate to give the right and correct answer. He, straight, um, he straightly replied to them of the need for repentance that will qualify them to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we can see that in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 38. I want us to read this. Uh, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, it also says, in whom, actually, let's read, just to give better context, let's read from verses 19, from verse 19 through 22. So Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 19 all the way to 22. Thank you. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together. Some translations say for, for habitation, but it's for dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Amen. So therefore, the experience of this, we believe, happened to them. However, um, every Christian depends upon the Holy Spirit for successful living. He is the architect of our Christian life. We cannot survive the Christian life without him. Again, it begs the question, if we are not constantly being engaged by him, then whose life are we living or what life are we living on a daily basis? And just to give some, I guess, theological perspective or background on the Holy Spirit, we're going to be talking about um, his mention in the Bible as a person because he is part of the Godhead. So he is the third person of the Godhead. You cannot do without him. He is the paraclete. That's a term that's been taken from... Um, Asian Greek word, the word is, he is the paracletus. But what does it mean? Again, we'll break it down, right? The translation is that he is the comforter. He is the advocate. The one who walks alongside with you. So in the Greek language, uh, you have the word called paracletus, which means to be called in aid. And then you have the word para, which means alongside or beside you, which is, you know, where you get, uh, which is kletos, and then you have the word uh, alongside, sorry, you have the word para, which is alongside, and then you have the word uh, kletos, which is to call in. So it's giving you the picture of somebody who is called in to be alongside you. Called in to be alongside you. And as I was preparing for this message, God wants me to tell someone, I don't know who it is, that he wants me to remind you that God is beside you. That he is alongside you. That if God can say himself that he is beside you, what else do you need? 
I don't know who that's for, but that's what I was impressed on my spirit, that if God is beside you, if he's alongside you, he is called into aid, if he's your comforter, then who else do you need? Do you need a man? Do you need a promotion? Do you need a raise? What is it that is in this world that can replace God being beside you? That's a personal question for us to answer. But his presence is with you always. Because that is who he is. That's the definition of the Holy Spirit is what we just said. Somebody who calls and is always, you call in, who is always beside you, who is always there to comfort you. Amen. So having talked about that, we're now going to talk about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Um, Because believe it or not, he has been there from the beginning. The Holy Spirit was seen to be active during the Old Testament times, but with certain limitations, and we'll get into that. He was seen as active at the creation of the universe. So let's read Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, if we can. Um, I know I might have just said one verse, but we're going to read verses 2 and 3. So it says, and we should be familiar with this verse, it's the very first few uh, verses in the Bible. Uh, It says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Amen. In this scripture, we see the personalization of the Godhead, of the Trinity. We see the Holy Spirit being spoken to or being referred to as a person, not in abstract but somebody who is there personally to play a particular role, a particular work, even as the universe or this world world as we know it was being created. So he has been there from when? From the beginning. Amen. We also see something similar um, later on. Uh, If we can read the account of the baptism of Jesus at the Jordan, Uh, Which one should we read? Let's read the account from Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 reads thus. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, And suddenly a voice from heaven came saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Again, in this account, we see the person of God as the Holy Spirit manifesting as a dove. We see the physical embodiment of the sacrament of the Godhead, Jesus Christ being baptized. We hear a voice from heaven, the voice of the father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So we can see theologically speaking, that we see the three distinct persons of the Godhead here. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, Reading the scripture again, we read from, we're going to read a lot of reading from the Bible because again, this is the Spirit of God speaking to us. Amen? So let's read Psalm 104 verse 30. And it says, You sent forth your spirit, They are created, and you renew the face of the earth. Amen. Job 33, verse 4 also says, The Spirit of of God 
has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. That's Job 33 verse 4. So we will see in the Old Testament, and we'll give some examples, um, but you will see that the Holy Spirit was always present in the Old Testament. It's just that he wasn't there on a permanent basis, right? As he is with us today. And that may be something that we, we may sometimes take for granted, but he was active. And we're going to be reading some accounts from within, the, uh, from within scripture uh, about his workings amongst men in the Old Testament. Amen. So let's pick a few here. So let's read the account of jo uh, Joseph the dreamer. Uh, we're going to read Genesis 41, uh, but because of time, let's jump to verse 37 and read all the way to 40. Can we do that? All right. So let's go to Genesis 41, verse 37 through 40. Amen. Thank you. So I read. So the advice was good in his eyes of in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man whom is the Spirit of God? Verse 39. Then uh, the Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will, there, will I be greater than you. Amen. This is the testimony, not of a, was, 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 uh, was Pharaoh a believe, Pharaoh believer? Yes or no? Okay, that's maybe it's debatable in some sense. But um, this is really the world, I mean, the world is testifying that there's a spirit of God that was working in the life of Joseph. And it gave him the power to, um, you know, in this, in this case, it was interpretation of dreams. But the point is that he gave him understanding and power to do something that nobody else could do. The, the, you know, Pharaoh had a dream. He spoke to all his wise men, all the double air quotes, occultists. Um, and none of them could discern what was going on. But the Holy Spirit empowered Joseph to be able to interpret dreams. So that's one example. Amen. All right. Um, let's look at another example in the book of Exodus chapter 28, verse 3. And it's the account of how uh, workers were, in, were involved in the work of the building of the tabernacle were filled with wisdom and knowledge. So let's read. It says, so you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with what? The spirit of wisdom that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him that he may minister to me as priest. So this is another example where we see workers are able to make even material things, right? I mean, we may say dreaming is more, you know, esoteric or whatever, but these are tangible things which ordinary men could not do. And they were empowered by who? Spirit of God. Amen. Uh, let's look at a, a few more examples. Um, let's look at the example of King David, um, 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. Thank you. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And 
the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Again, an example of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament coming on a person for a particular purpose for a particular period of time. Amen. Let's read another example. Um, this is something that, and I think it's actually a very important example. So uh, the book of Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. And I read, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is, who will, who will be, who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Amen. Who was the angel speaking to here? Mary who? Mother of Jesus. And whose birth were they talking about here? Jesus Christ. So without the Holy Spirit, we would not be here because we would not be saved. He had to partner with a woman technically or with a woman's womb because Mary had to accept this in order for him to come into this world. So you see the importance of the Holy Spirit, even in the, going back to what we talked about in, uh, in our Sunday school, in the regeneration process, because Jesus Christ had to come, be born sinless, become the second Adam, as a second Adam, down the cross, um, be buried, rise, and ascend before the Holy Spirit came down to us as a person. So you can see the Holy Spirit even right from the beginning, before everything started, he was there in the God, I mean, um, in the beginning of creation. He was there during the immaculate birth, and he's also there at the process of regeneration. Amen. Amen. All right. So we've talked about, you know, some of the works of the, uh, among men in the Old Testament, and now we're going to be, and we talked about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and now we're going to focus on the Holy Spirit as promised in the Old Testament. Amen. And there's some other examples in the Bible. These are not just the only ones. Um, they're mighty men who God used in the Old Testament days who were said to have had the Spirit of God. They include um, Othniel in Judges. There's Gideon as well in Judges. There's the mighty man Samson in Judges as well. There's Saul, even for a brief period of time, in the book of 1 Samuel, and so on and so on, right? Um, let, let's, read, let's, read another, let's read another example here. Um, uh, let's go to the book of Numbers 24, verse 2, if we can. All right, and it says, um, And Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. Again, an example of the Spirit of God coming upon someone. Um, and let's do this. This is probably going to be our, our final example here. Uh, let's look at Numbers chapter 11 this time. And we're going to read verses 16 and 17, and then we'll jump to 25. Amen. So we're going to Numbers 11. We're going to read verses 16 and 17, and then we'll go to verse 25. So Numbers 11 verse 16 says, 
So the Lord said to Moses, gather me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take the spirit that is upon you and I will put the same spirit upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. And if we skip to verse 25, and I read, it says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took the spirit that was upon him and placed the same spirit upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. Again, we see the spirit of God coming temporarily upon a person for a particular period for a particular purpose, for a particular period of time. Amen. All right. So we're going to look at the Holy Spirit as promised in the Old Testament. Um, because of the important roles that the Holy Spirit played in the lives of various people in the Old Testament, and because of his indispensability, indispensability in the lives of God's people, God made a promise of pouring out his Spirit on mankind. And we're going to read a few scriptures here. Uh, Ezekiel gave a hint of the promise of the Holy Spirit when he said in Ezekiel 36, verse 27, it says, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you shall keep my judgment and do them. Prophet Joel later on gave an elaborate statement on the coming and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in the last days. In Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, and I read, And it shall come to pass afterwards, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Um, within these few verses, we can see uh, that the scope of the work of the Holy Spirit is being defined in terms of what he's going to be doing in the last days, and that it will be wider in scope than a lot of times, right? Amen. Because he's talking about a future tense and a time to come that had not yet been manifested um, according to the word of God. Amen. So having talked about the Holy Spirit um, in the Old Testament, talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, um, we also now want to talk about the Holy Spirit as promised by Jesus, because he also spoke about this person of the Holy Spirit in the book of John, which is where we come with the term, you know, the term we talked about, you know, uh, being the comforter or being the paraclete. So Jesus repeatedly spoke on the coming of the Holy Spirit for the advantage of the disciples and believers in general. Um, let's read John 14, 16, and 17. John 14, 16, and 17. And I read, um, and I will pray the Father, 
and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Amen. From these verses, we can see clearly that the intention was always for the Holy Spirit to reside in us. In the Old Testament, you would see that he came and he left the community, but that wasn't the intention. The overall intention was for him to always be in us and with us at all times. But in the Old Testament, there was not yet a, from Sunday school, a what? Regeneration. So it wasn't possible for him to live on the inside of us. And that's why, you know, this dispensation of grace that we live in, it's sometimes called the dispensation of the Holy Spirit because we see the working of the Holy Spirit than never before. And maybe sometimes when we think about the working of the Holy Spirit, we're always thinking about something external. But the greatest work of the Holy Spirit is what he does on the inside of us. And we'll be talking about that in the you know, later parts of the series. But as we can see here, he's, you know, he's describing the Holy Spirit not so much in, yes, it's going to be greater works. Obviously, that's, that's also part of his work. But he's describing the Holy Spirit as somebody who is intimate with you. Who is, I mean, if somebody is inside of you, that person can be closer than anything else. Am, am I correct? If somebody is inside of you, I don't think anybody or anyone can be closer than such a relationship. And that was always the intention of our Lord. And that is whom the Holy Spirit is in his person. Amen. And we're also going to read the book of John chapter 14, verse 26. Amen. And I read, it says, or you know what? Let's read this together. All right. One, two, three, go. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all things, to all things that I said to you. Amen. And this is Jesus Christ speaking himself. I mean, I know we're not people like that in this place, but, you know, sometimes people like to argue and say, you know, they only believe the things that Jesus said in the Bible, the things I read. If you don't believe the things, other things that, you know, that are written, even though everything in the Bible is inspired by the word of God. Um, but even for the sake of argument, these are, this is something that, Jesus Christ, who is the Godhead himself, said. I remember Deacon uh, Murphy was sharing earlier during Sunday school about how, you know, his father, you know, had an issue with um, um, Christians being called the sons of God. I mean, it's, it's the same thing too, but if Jesus Christ himself said it, and he's the son of God, and he is God, then how can we not believe it? It's just a lack of faith. And it's also the fact that it's only the Holy Spirit they can actually bring us to understand these things. Because if the Bible or the word of God was something that was very academic, maybe everybody would have been saved. Um, I went to, to, to Greece a few years ago, and I saw some of those places that were being talked about in the Bible where Paul ministers and things like that. Um, but there was no revival going on. Um, uh, and you would think that because the, the New Testament is written originally in the Greek text, that Greek will probably be the nation that is on fire for God, but it's not. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to down Greece. I'm just trying to say that men or humankind, you know, we cannot know the things of God just based off of the things that we know physically. It has to be something that God reveals to us personally. Amen. Um, and going on in the text, it says, after his resurrection, Jesus said concerning the promise, 
And this is from Luke chapter 24, verse 29. Luke chapter 24, verse 29. Uh, sorry, verse 49. I'm sorry, my mistake. And, and again, let's read this together. All right. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from high. And at his, and at his ascension in Acts chapter 1, verse 8a, um, it says, let's read together. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon who? Upon you. Amen. Oh, just, just the first part. Thank you. Thank you for being good, um, for paying attention. Just the first part. Thank you. All right. Uh, but Lord, we're not done reading the Bible yet. So <laughs> let's go to John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. Um, and you can read along if you want to. It says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood, up, stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart would flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. Again, it's, it's important to understand that there's a condition there. For the Holy Spirit was not given yet because Jesus was not yet glorified. Amen. And you see how the Spirit of God sets, sets things up. We read one of the Messianic Psalms this morning about Jesus Christ being enthroned. Um, you know, it said the scepter, you know, you, you are ascending him above his peers. That is the glorification, or that's the picture of the glorification of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it tells us here that that had to happen before the Holy Spirit could come upon us. Um, and then the last scripture we're going to read today, I believe, maybe, maybe not. Um, John chapter 16, verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. It's on the screen. Let's read that together. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Amen. Amen. So one of the reasons, well, you could argue and say one of the reasons why Jesus Christ decided to, you know, go back to heaven. Yes, his mission was complete, but it was a necessary thing for something else to happen, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit upon us permanently. As we've read in the Old Testament, you know, he came and he left. He came and he left. Why? Because there was no regenerated being, but because we have been regenerated in Christ and Christ has been glorified, he now resides where? On the inside of us. And that's an amazing thing, if you ask me. Uh, but something you know, very critical that I think uh, Pastor Famaki mentioned this too, is that, you know, especially not when the word of God period, when things are being said in the word of God, the word of God is not su uh, superfluous. Meaning that if something is said in the Bible, it has, was left there intentionally. If we believe every word was inspired by God, then God would not allow something to have been added into the Bible that didn't need to be added there. And conversely, he would not have let anything that should have been there to be left out. Amen. That's well, it's talking about how the Bible is complete in itself. Amen. And I say this to say, I say that to say this. Jesus Christ was not confused or presumptuous or suggestive in saying that he will send us the Holy Spirit 
You know, when you're asking, you're talking to some people sometimes, or you, you know, you, you have a survey, you know, you sometimes say, okay, what are the things that you would like to have? What are the things that you must have? And what are the things that would just, you know, be cool? So he wasn't speaking about the Holy Spirit as something that is a nice to have. He was speaking authoritatively as something that we need to have or someone that we need to have, not an optional person um, that we sometimes remember on a Sunday. Uh, but the person, if he's inside of us, we carry him everywhere we go. Whether we go to the places we're not supposed to go or the places we are supposed to go, we are carrying the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So if we go to where we're not supposed to go, we're carrying the Godhead to where he where should not be. And you can imagine how that feels, but we'll talk about that later on. Um, but it's important to know that this was not suggestive. It wasn't a, you know what, you guys may sometimes need the Holy Spirit. So I'm giving it to you, to him, to you. So you guys just need to just, you know, pick up the phone and give him a buzz. No, it's not suggestive. It was something that we, or someone that we need. And that is why he came to dwell with us. Amen. So this morning, um, if you've been going through this series, like I've been going through this series, um, there's always something to pray about. I don't know about you guys, but for me, just generally when I come to listen to the word of God, because it's always about what God is saying to me. Um, but especially in this series, I think that because these things are personal, they hit home and they're practical. I have been praying a lot about the things that I've been, God has been speaking to me about. And I believe all of us too, God is speaking to us as a body because we're not just here because this is a physical location or we are a body that has been here and we see we're here spiritually. So we're in one house, we're in congregation. So the things that God is telling us to do, like reading, reading through the Bible, reading through the Bible. He didn't tell the church down the road. Maybe he did, I don't know. But he came to us and said it specifically. So the things that we do as a corporate body that impact our growth and what we're going to as believers. So we're going to go into some prayers um, this morning. This is just how I, as I was led. And, um, uh, and the prayers are not on the screen, so just, just pay attention. I'll, I'll, I'll be slow so that you can hear what I have to say. So the first prayer point is we're going to come to our God. I mean, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Um, the word of God says that, you know, we can come to him boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in a time of need, right? And if we confess our sins, we will not just forgive us and close us from all righteousness. So I think that the first prayer point we should pray personally is that the Lord should forgive us for the ways we have replaced the person of the Holy Spirit as a comforter in an advocate in our lives with worldly things. It's easy. It's very easy and it's very subtle, right? Sometimes some of us, the bank account is your comforter. Some of you, it's your spouse. Again, those things are good. Some of you, it's your position, it's your title. That is your comforter. We've replaced those things. And again, it's very subtle. And I believe that as we're speaking, because I'm not the one speaking to you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's telling you and he's showing you these things. So let's just spend some time in prayer. Let's just ask the Lord, Lord, show us. Because sometimes we like to deceive ourselves. Show us the areas of our lives that we've replaced the Spirit of, Holy Spirit, you yourself, show us the areas of our lives that we've replaced you as the comforter and as the advocate with these worldly things. So Lord, for you said we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. The ways that we've replaced you as the comforter in our lives, Lord, forgive us. Um, bring it to our understanding. Bring it to us. Reveal these things to us. Reveal these, these parts of our lives to us that we 
may repent. Shine your illumination on us. Give us conviction and help us to repent from these areas of our lives that we have consciously or unconsciously decided to put other things as the comforter in our lives. Oh Lord, forgive us, O oh Lord. But now that we now that we know, O oh Lord, even Tabos Kantalira Mos Kantalira Mos Shantari. Karina Mos Santalama Shukarima Mos Santa Mos Kantalam. And we're also going to pray. Prayer point number two is we're going to pray for the grace of God to, to make that change. And it's it's not something that we're going to do ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit Himself. Who can do that within us? We're going to ask and speak to the Spirit of God because He's a person. He is here. He's always here when we congregate together and ask Him and say, Spirit of God, give me the grace to, 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 to make you uh, the comforter in my life in, in totality, 100%, in every single layer of my life, in every form, in every shape. Lord, speak, I'm a spirit, I'm a kalusti. Spirit of God, we come to you in the sea. You you are the one who is our comforter. There's no other person besides you. Spirit of God, take your place in our lives, in the place that we've, that we, that we've segregated our lives, that we've, that, we've, that we've compartmentalized our lives. Help us to open up and give ourselves to you in total surrender. In total surrender, because our lives no longer belong to us. In total surrender, we give ourselves back unto you. Makis kantalish kantarira. And finally, let's talk to the Holy Spirit as we, because this is just the first part of this season, as we go forth that by the Holy Spirit himself, that he will give us a deeper understanding of who he is. As we go forward, he will give us a deeper understanding of who he is, not just through this series, but through our Christian life. But as we go through this series, that the Holy Spirit himself will give us the deeper understanding of his person, his person, not just his works or the things that he can know, but him as a person that we'll have a deeper understanding. And that understanding will translate into a change in our lives, which is really wisdom. Bakusama, Lord, Spirit of God, we ask, well, as we begin this, you bring to remembrance the things of who you are, Lord, your personage will become even more real to us in the little things, in the big things. Upon this house, we shall experience a, a, a rekindling of, 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 of your personage in our lives and in Zabakusa Baba as a body, as individuals. Makita Ramaskunta Lere Babakulani Mama. Ramuska Nareba Marina Makasamakaloskunta Lira Makasanda Muska Nariba Bakalamasunda Karibaba. Anuska Namanima Makuroniba Bakademo Sunda Kaliska Navarida Mamranibuska Nariba Sandai. Makalusko Narida Navakalama Lema Suka Namarandibos Kunamama Maskuntara. Anishkares. Oh Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your ears are open to the prayers of the righteous. We thank you because you've heard us this morning, oh Lord. We thank you for, your, for speaking to us at this time, for speaking to me, for speaking to every one of us, oh Lord. 
Thank you for your, for your enduring love and thank you for the, your transformation that you have engendered on the inside of us, Lord. We thank you, Spirit of God, for being ever-present, for being the worker and us being the vessels. We just thank you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. One, one, one final prayer, and uh, we can't leave it without doing that today as we've talked about it so much, is we've talked about regeneration, we've talked about the Holy Spirit. As we read in the scripture, uh, Jesus Christ himself said, the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because they do not know him. However, Jesus Christ came for a purpose. In John 3, 16, 17, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him he might be saved. And if you were here for the Sunday school, um, Dickie Murphy quoted me talking about how if you, you know, become a believer, you don't, you know, immediately you don't see that physical thing. But Holy Spirit didn't come to leave us the same. He came to transform us. He came to transform us. It's an internal transformation that becomes an outward manifestation. So if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, I'd like to lead you in a very short prayer. You know, everybody who has become saved has one time or another had to come and receive that salvation. Because the word of God says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of the Lord. Uh, but you can say a simple prayer this morning and you can come out of darkness into his light. So I'm going to, if you're online, you can join as well. If you're here, you know, just, just repeat after me and say, uh, Lord Jesus, I come to you now. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you came and you died for me and that you rose again and you're seated uh, in heaven. I receive you or I accept your salvation that you have given on the cross of Calvary. And I accept you today as my Lord and my Savior. And I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. If you're in the Washington, D.C. region, visit in person at our address. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us in our social media. God bless you.